Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. And amen. Now, remember, Daniel 7, we've already spent about three or four weeks. We're just going to kind of rehash a little bit, but let's go back. Um, as we make our way, you guys want to make a mental note or you want to jot this down some, somewhere. Um, Daniel chapters 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12, these are, you, these are prophetic chapters. And so if you're not afraid to write in your Bible, you're taking notes, just kind of make that a mental note and and you'll see why here in just a moment. These are prophetic chapters. First, what does Daniel do? He writes and predicts things that are going to happen in the future. For example, he gives us the four beasts, and he correlates that to the image that we've studied in chapter 2. The beast in Daniel chapter 7 actually... Now, now we say kingdoms, but they actually re- represent four major kingdoms in our in our vocabulary and how we see things, these would be these would be powerful governments. Okay, so keep that in mind. They, they, we said kingdoms, and he saw kingdoms back in the day because they were ruled with one king. But again, just think of four powerful um, governments. Now, remember in verse one of Daniel chapter seven, it says this: In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while he was in his bed. And he wrote down the dreams telling the main facts. Now, we got to understand that probably Daniel went to his grave knowing that there was so much more that he saw in his dream. And he says, no, 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 just the main facts. And we got the main facts, and that freaks us out as as it is because we're seeing what's going to happen right before our eyes. From every Wednesday to Wednesday, we come here and... And we get fed the word of God, but we're seeing our world change very slowly from that of a, of a, of a well, I would, I would hone that into the United States to a godly nation to an ungodly nation. We see that things are changing rapidly. We see that things are lining up with the word of God. We see things are lining up with scripture in the book of Revelation. All of these things are happening. We see some things and, and uh, we'll talk about them in the next couple of weeks particularly probably the ten horns. You guys, we talked about that last week, the ten nations. One of the nations that I had talked about was Russia. And then I put a question mark because we don't know where Russia is going to be in light of Ezekiel 38 and 39. Because most people say, well, when is that going to happen? When is Ezekiel 38 and 39 going to happen? Is it going to happen before the rapture? Like, are we going to see this? Are we going to see a part of that? Or are we going to be raptured and then it's going to come later? And a lot of people... Everybody that I've talked are one side 50-50. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But we do see the players lining up. We see the players lining up. So Daniel here is giving us just the main facts. Just the main facts. Well, he writes that Belshazzar. Now remember, Belshazzar has died in our previous studies. But now we went back in time. And you've got to remember, he was the great-grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. So he knows that the first beast represented who? Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, here's what I want you to think about. Daniel gave Nebuchadnezzar a dream interpretation back in chapter 2. Do you guys remember that? It was very much prophetic in content. How so? He said, he said Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head of gold. 
You're the head of gold. But now the dream is different here in chapter 7. And it happens after the Babylonian kingdom. And you guys remember the story. You remember old king never can remember. Got really super prideful, stood up and said, look at all that I have built. And God's like, no, 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 I don't play that way. Hey, that rhymed. And he said, listen, boom. And, he, and, and for seven years, King Nebuchadnezzar was, was eating grass and letting his fingernails grow and his beard and saliva and was like a, like a beast. And then one day he looks up and he's like, oh, you're God. You really are God. And, and, and he gets saved. And he says that Daniel's God is God. Well, Daniel's God is our God. He's our heavenly father. And he's our, he's, he's our Abba. He's the one who came and rescued us and saved us. And he, and he promises abundant life if we'll just stay close to him. He promises peace that surpasses all understanding. That's our Abba. That's our God. Same God. Oh, but we get to see more and more and more. Now, Daniel comes back and says, now this is the first year. Do you guys see that? Since this is the first year, what do we see? We begin to see the Medo-Persian Empire take root. If you're looking at the Medo-Persian Empire, and I'm not sure if, can you, um, can you pull up that picture, Josh? It's the one with the bear and all of that. It, it's going to be right in that. There you go. Thanks. You're going to see the Medo-Persian. It's, it's hard to see on this screen, but you can see the Medo-Persian. And he's got, what, he's got three ribs in his mouth. Do you guys see that? And so, and so he's talking about this, and he's going, okay, so, so this is going to be, it's starting to take root where, when Daniel writes this. Now, again, remember, the three ribs, if you're taking note, their domination and destruction of three kingdoms. The three ribs in his mouth represent the destruction of Egypt, Guys, the destruction of Babylon and the destruction of Lydia. Lydia, these were countries, so you had three ribs. The next beast is the leopard with four heads and four wings. Of course, this is definitely prophetic. Why? You see, it would be more than 220 years later that Alexander the Great would come into power with the Grecian Empire. Then he says, he says this, four heads and four wings... Why it was the four wings? Why? Because after Alexander's death, his kingdom was divided between four generals. Um, Lysitzimus controlled Thrace and Bithia. Cassander held Macedonia and Greece. Seleucus took Syria and Babylon and the territories far east of India. And Ptolemy controlled Egypt, Palestine, Arabia, and Pateria. These were four reigning generals. The fourth beast that Daniel sought he says, this is hard to describe. We all know it as the scary looking beast with 10 horns. Now, what we need to do is we need to pay attention. And by the way of reminder, this, this white here would represent, guys, the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire. And I had my little thing here. Let's see if I got it. Let's see. Okay, so here, right here, the legs, right here is the Roman Empire. You see that on that? This is going to be the Roman Empire right here. And it's going to correlate with this here. Now, now there's a prophetic time gap right in here before we get to the feet and the clay. There's a prophetic. It's known as the church age. We're in the church age right now. And you go, well, what happened to Rome? Well, if you're taking note, I, we talked about this last week, but I feel like it needs to be 
um, we can be reminded. Um, here, here's what happened. Rome ruled the world from 146 BC all the way to 476 AD. So 622 years, the Roman Empire ruled the known world. They were never conquered. They were never conquered. The Roman Empire lasted until about 476 AD when the city of Rome was attacked by barbarians from the north and the eastern portion, however, lasted much longer and it remained powerful for centuries and was finally extinguished in 1453 at the close of the Middle Ages. Now, just prophetic-wise, think about this, guys. When the Roman Empire started, it was all right in here, and it's probably one world empire, but then it broke off into two. That's why he says, I saw two legs. You had one that sort of went off in it, and then one that actually lasted the, the Middle Ages, 1453 A.D., So why are you telling me this, Ben? Well, again, I want to remind you that what Daniel saw in his dream is is so prophetic and how it just just comes, everything just comes um, between this and Revelation. Now, what's Daniel doing? And why aren't more people teaching the book of Daniel? Well, here's what he's doing, guys. He's showing us what the world could look like in our day, in our day. How so? Well, what's going to happen, now look at me, look up here. You have a prophetic time gap between the legs and the feet, known as the church. We're in the church age. We're in the church age. As soon as our Savior died on the cross, he died and resurrected, that began the church age. Now, we're in the church age, and right here is going to be the other kingdom. This is the kingdom we're getting very close to. It's got, it's got feet of clay and iron, both mixed. Some people talk about clay as being human, and others talk about iron as, as power. And some say, well, they're, they're, we're talking about religion. Now, what's going to happen, guys, is that you and I, we're going to be minding our business, we're going to be shopping, we're going to be homeschooling, we're going to be doing what we do, and you're going to hear the trumpet sound because Thessalonians says he's going to hardpazo us up. He's going to rapture us up. We're going to be taken up quickly. Now, I know there's a lot of debate and people go, well, I don't know, rapture is not even in the Bible. We believe that we're going to be raptured. The pre-tribulation rapture. The Lord Jesus goes, listen, you are going to face some tribulation, but you're not going to face the tribulation, the great tribulation. I'm going to take you home. I'm going to... That's what a loving God does. Oh, he doesn't spare us from, from learning the lessons that we need to learn now. He doesn't spare us from being, being the mouthpiece to encourage and to love and to uplift people. He doesn't... That's all going to happen. But we're living in days, church. We're living in hours. We're living in seconds where, where you and I cannot say what we believe or how we believe or what God has done without the risk of being arrested. You see, that's not, that's not a far-fetched idea. It actually happened now in the United States. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I mean, let me paint the scene. There you are, and you're buying groceries. And you happen to talk to somebody. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? And they say, wow, you look, you're always smiling. Why are you smiling? Well, I've got to tell you, 
my Jesus, your Jesus, who's that? And then you go on to tell your testimony how you were once in darkness, but now you're a child of the light. Now you're a born again Christian. And all of a sudden, before you walk out the door and you pay for your groceries, the police are there. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And they're saying, no, 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 you can't say this stuff. You can't proclaim the gospel. It's called hate speech. Not not everybody believes how you believe, and therefore you need to be punished. You see, that's coming. That's coming. And never in my wildest dream would I thought we would live in a world where proclaiming the gospel, but but then I go back to Jesus and I think, look what they did. Look what they did. The, The religious people of the day wanted to kill him and he just proclaims that he was God and that he was doing great things and he was healing people and he was feeding people. And 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 he had compassion and he was ministering to people all the time. You talk about being tired. Some of us in this room is tired, but think about Jesus, man. He he just worked tirelessly. And the disciples would be like, send them away, Lord. And he's like, no, I need to have compassion on them. And he'd pray for them and he'd minister to them. And I wonder how many times my Jesus, our Jesus, sat under the tree and just listened to somebody because they just needed an ear and they just needed a friend. Here is, here, is, here is the Lord Jesus, fully God and fully man. And yet, he just sat there and he listened. He just listened. Oh, did, he didn't do anything, Pastor? He, he may not have. He may have just listened. Because sometimes, isn't that what prayer is? When we come to the Lord and we just unbear our hearts, we say, hey, Lord, And after prayer, we get up and we go, I feel better. But what did God say? You know, he didn't say anything, really. He just listened. He just listened. And I think we should take that principle to other people, sometimes just listening. Just listening. James tells us that we're very quick to speak. And we should always think and go, you know what? So we're living in those days. It's the days that the coming kingdom should come. It's called a revived Roman Empire, if you're taking note, because Rome was never conquered. They were never just extinguished. They sort of just flickered out. And it's future because the ten horns, because of the ten horns. Why? Well, again, you know it's future because if you go back in history, Rome was never ruled by ten kings. Okay, In its entire existence... It had only, what, one king at a time. They were known as Caesars or emperors, okay? We call them today presidents or president here, but they were Caesars. Not to mention, now, now allow me to mention a few. You had the first one that was Gaius Julius, Julius Caesar. And then we had Caesar Augustus, and that was from 27 BC to 14 AD, and then you had Caesar Augustus from 31, another Caesar Augustus from 31, um, boy, same Caesar Augustus, sorry. Then you had Caesar Tiberius from 14 to 37 AD. Then from 54 to 68, you had Caesar Nero. 
And then you had, from 69 to 79 AD, you had a fellow by the name of Caesar Titus Vespasian. He's the one who kind of came in. He was the emperor that allowed Titus, his general, to come in at 70 AD and destroy Jerusalem. That's when they took over Jerusalem. So Titus Vespasian was not really the conquering general, but then Titus, and then Caesar Titus actually took over this general. He conquered Jerusalem before he became emperor. And then very end, you had Domitian from 81 to 96. Now, why do I give you these? When you go back and read Revelation, you can see which Caesar had had banished John to the island of Patmos. You can see which one was like, guys, Rome ruled. They ruled with a heavy, heavy hand. They ruled, and what they said went, and you didn't buck the system, and you didn't try to step out and revolt and so forth. Many tried, many died. Rome was brutal. Now, I want you to think about this in the coming uh, years. The revived Roman Empire is going to be just as strong and just as brutal and just as forceful And the Lord Jesus has been telling mankind, you don't have to stay here for that. You need to open up and and come and be saved and walk in my kingdom and 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 you'll live with me forever and I'll live with you. This is and and so many people across the world go, nah, I don't want this Jesus. It blows my mind. And what really blows my mind, church, if we're being honest, if you look at social media, you see so many people who are anti-God. They're anti-Jesus for no reason other than you don't let them get what they want. You don't let them do it. Well, and they're they're hostile. But they're anti-Jesus. And I saw a picture of a protest that really broke my heart because the sign said, if Jesus comes back again, we'll kill him again. That's their heart. Now, you and I, we've read the book, and so we know where they're going. And there's part of us that is like, yeah, I'm going to pray like David. Lord, bust their teeth out. But really, when you think about it, eternity in hell separated for God is a long, long time. And our prayer should be, God, they can't see. They're blinded. Open their eyes, God. Let the scales fall. Let the scales fall. I'll never forget when the Jesus movement had come to Santa Fe. And it wasn't the Jesus Revolution, but there was a movement. And um, there was a little church that started called Victory Chapel. And Victory Chapel started. And all these people these, these the, from the Catholic faith were going to, to this little church. And they were filling it up. And they were getting saved. And, 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 and it was so different than I ever knew that I remember mocking them in school because all of a sudden you had these guys that used to beat you up in, in, in elementary and junior high. Now they're preaching to you. Some of the most notorious guys that you thought, and they're, they're saved and they're talking about saved. And I, and it, I remember mocking them with my friends thinking, it's a cult, it's this, it's that, da, da, da. you can't keep your money. There. All of this stuff. But you know what we couldn't argue with? A changed life. You can't argue when your life was headed one direction and all of a sudden it's changed. It's a different direction. And I remember watching them and, and, and now here I am. I won't tell you how many years later, but here I am preaching the gospel. Why? Because my life changed. 
So Daniel tells us, church, that the Roman Empire will have 10 ruling kings and then one smaller horn will emerge, right? Take out three of them. We talked about last night. Do you remember who the smaller horn is? That was the Antichrist. Now, next week, we'll get more deeper into the Antichrist. And, and one of the names that came up last week, if you recall, was very important. It was the name Emmanuel Macron from France. And that's something you go, are you saying that's the... No, no, don't put words. Don't, you don't have to email me or anything. What I'm telling you is just look it up. Just look it up. From Olive Tree Ministries, they're the ones who sort of pointed us in that direction and say, hey, keep an eye on this guy. Keep an eye on this guy. I mean, look how many people in the world. I don't know if that's him. It could be anybody. But I'm just saying, wow. 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 So last week, we spent all of our time looking at the Antichrist. Well, tonight, let me give you a proper roadmap of our study. Last week, we looked at all the four beasts. Daniel gave us the interpretation again. But today, we're going to look at the Ancient of Days. Who's that? God. God. If you and I were to assess our relationship with God the Father, I pray it would never be a spirit in the sky. I pray it would never be, well, I pray, but I don't have a relationship, or I pray and God never speaks to me. Because our Heavenly Father, and I think about just, I mean, I just think about Genesis, and I think about the, the word Elohim, and I think about Bara, and I think about all of that, how he created everything and how powerful he is. I think about God. And I think about not only did he create the heavens and the earth, but think about the galaxies and think about stuff that we haven't even seen yet. And now in the information age, and we get to see all of these things and all of the galaxies and, and, and stars and star and, and he created the sun and the sun is the biggest thing that we can imagine and it's hot and gives us a sunburn and, and, and so forth. But, but think about this, the same God that created everything that spoke life and, and all he had to do was speak. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute because we're going to talk about him tonight. Think about God the Father. I think for believers, sometimes there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect with God the Father and, and your walk with God. Oh, Pastor, I pray. I pray to God, but I don't know God. And I think there's a lot of people out there that know a lot about God, but they don't know God. They know a lot about him. And they talk and, and, and they can give you stats and they can give you and they can quote scriptures, but they they don't know God. So with the remainder remainder of our time, guys, looking at the 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 God of this dream, let's see what what he has for us. Now, we're gonna talk about the ancient of days, but I wanna remind you very quickly because now we're in the prophetic chapters. Do you remember last week? You remember last week? The, the purpose of prophecy. You go, I, I think so. Part of the mission that God gives you and I, part of the mission, he says, Keon, this is what you need to do, is, is, is he involves his people on in getting the message out of, into the world. This is what he does, the message, the gospel, the good news. Paul refers to the gospel as power for salvation for the Jew first and also the Greek. So he says there's power in the gospel. 
there's power. You guys know this, and I'll tell you why. Because you're here and you're different because of the gospel. Something changed. There's power in that. And what happens in the gospel message is when you hear it, the scales begin to fall. But more importantly, the scales fall out of your, fall from your heart as well. And you look at all the facts. And let's be honest, if we look at all the facts, and the fact of the matter is that the way people are so anti-God, it makes people believe in God. Listen, there are a lot of people who don't believe in unicorns. But they're not, they're not hostile towards unicorns. They're not like, oh, I just, if I see a unicorn, or you people who, be-. but, but all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, because they're hostile. They're hostile to, you start, you start looking at the facts, and you start seeing oxygen, and you start, hey, I can breathe. Wow, how did God do this? And, and, and you see a glorious sunrise or a glorious sunset, and you're just like, my goodness gracious. And, and, and in your mind, intellectually, come on, guys, you know you did this. You started to put things together, and you said, I believe there's a God. And he gave you that faith to believe. And you opened up your heart, and you said yes to Jesus. You said there's no other explanation. And university after university and school after school and elementary after elementary comes and tells you, no, 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 there's no God. Here's how you came about. And they're wrong. They're wrong. I'll never forget me and a buddy of mine, my best friend from Santa Fe, we uh, hanging out with him. We went to lunch one time, and we got into debate of religion. We got in. We got in this little talk, and I didn't even realize that I had been indoctrinated into evolution. Didn't even realize this, but I knew my argument was we came from monkeys. We came. And, uh, and his argument was no, because his dad was a Pentecostal preacher, and, and, and he believed in creation. But in, in, in elementary and junior high, headed up to high school before I got saved, I didn't even realize. Are you guys tracking with me? This is why, parents, we have to protect our kids. And, and now... It's not even evolution or Big Bang or any other. There's so much that they're trying to slip in under the radar. And if we're not careful, our kids won't even know they're indoctrinated. We have to be so careful. Pastor, why are you telling this? Because again, I remember, and I remember he's going like, you know, no, you, you, we didn't come from, hey, yeah, we did. No, I didn't act like a, an ape or nothing. But you guys know the point, right? You, and so we're getting that message out because it changes people. Well, see, prophetically, that message, well, guys, it's, it's a warning. It's a call to repentance. It's a message of hope, and it's a message of good news. Prophecy has always been intertwined in that message. Let me give you three reasons for prophecy. We talked about it last week. Prophecy shows God's justice and is, and is intended to lead us to repentance. You see, with the doctrine of inclusion and the doctrine of, of everybody gets a trophy, we forget that there is justice in the world and God is sitting on his throne. 
As a matter of fact, you're going to see uh, Daniel looking at two different... Um, he's going to look at what's going on on earth, and he's going to look at what's going on in heaven. And what's going on in heaven should actually scare us more than what's going on on earth. And so, it, it, But it's intended to lead us to repentance. It's intended. Why? Because God is holy and God is just. And what we have to grasp, church, grab this... He never minimized sin. He never minimizes sin or say, oh, that's okay. It's not that bad. You see, his justice requires that he condemn evil and point out sin leads to suffering, destruction, and death. You see, the Bible says the, sin, the, the, the soul that sins shall die, shall die. But you didn't die. You were sinners because Jesus took your place. Think about this. Think about this. I'm going to take you back in time. On the cross, on the cross, my Jesus, fully God, fully man, took every single sin in the whole world that was ever committed or would be committed. They beat him so bad that the Bible says he was unrecognizable. When, they, when he finally died and the Roman soldier came and decided to stab him, blood and water flowed. You know why blood and water flowed? Because his heart busted inside him. The stress of every single sin that you and I ever committed or will commit and is in the whole world. And you go, why are you saying this? Because I don't want us to take sin lightly either. I don't want us to go, I'm under grace. I can just do what I want. I'm under grace. No, no, no. That sin put him on the cross. Oh, Lord, watch our tongues. Oh, Lord, guide our heart. Oh, Lord, help us to walk. See, God, in his beautiful justice, think about this. He doesn't want us those that he created to sin or to die. You see, God's heart isn't going, okay, well, you do it, fine. He's going, oh, no, 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 please. Because you understand sin. The path and the destruction that sin leads you is, is just as bad as the end result. I, Jesus said, no, I took that. I died for that. But it's not so you and I can go, yeah, hey. Peter, writing for the heart of the Lord, says this in Second Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some call it slackness, but he's long-suffering toward us, not willing that anyone should perish, that all should come to repentance. The reason why the Lord Jesus hasn't come is because he's waiting for everyone to come in. That should put a smile on our face. Because if we're being honest in church tonight, there's, 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 we have family who's not saved. And, and the Lord's giving them as much time. You see, there's not ever going to be somebody going, I didn't know! I didn't have enough time! I would have repented! There's not. He's going to give as much time. But I draw your attention back to Noah's Ark. When Noah began construction, they probably thought he was crazy and thought he was crazy. 
anywhere from 70 to 120 years, this dude's trying to build this giant, and then we haven't seen a drop of rain. This dude's crazy. And then when it began to rain, and then the earth opened up and water came up very quickly, there couldn't be anybody going, hey, I didn't know. I didn't know. Number two, prophecy shows God's power, that he always wins, and he gives us encouragement. And then last but not least, God shows, uh, prophecy shows God's love. How so? The warnings prophesied destruction are not given as revenge or an angry retribution, but out of love and out of a desire for people to repent and change. That's really the whole point. So with that as our intro, let's go, let's go ahead and read again, guys, so we get a good feel for Daniel chapter 7. We'll read 9 through 28, and then we'll just come back and break it down. You've already had that. You've already seen it. But uh, we're talking about the Ancient of Days. Look at, uh, look at verse 9. I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and his hair was the head like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, his wheels, its wheels burning fire. A fiery stream ish, issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousands times ten thousands stood before him. The court was seated and the books were open. I watched then because the sound of pompous words which the horn was speaking, I watched till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beast, well, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I watched in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancients of days, and he brought him near before him. Then he was given dominion, glory, and kingdom, and all people's nations' languages should serve him and his dominion, an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit and within my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near to the one to those who stood by and asked them the truth of all this. So he told me, and he made known to me the interpretation. He said, these things, these things, those great beasts which are four on the earth and the saints of the Most High, you shall receive the kingdom, possess the kingdom forever, even, or even forever and ever. Then I wish to know the truth about the fourth beast. And of course, we went into that, we got into that last week. So let's jump at, let's go back and let's, let's, let's talk, Okay. So let's go back for a moment. He's writing the first year, verse 1, of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. Daniel had a dream. We know that. Visions in his head for a while. He wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. Notice, Daniel spoke, saying, I saw a vision by night, and behold, four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. So Daniel has a dream, pretty scary for the most part. Four beasts, then around verse 9, the dream changes. It goes from the beast coming out of the sea. Remember that it changes to thrones and God. So that's where we're going to pick it up. Look at verse 9. We're going to just kind of dissect this. In his dream, he said, I watched till thrones were put in place, and the ancients of days were seated. 
we're seated. His garment, look at this. Now he's talking, he's trying to describe the Lord. Um, he's trying to describe our Heavenly Father. He said he, his garment was white as snow, and his hair of his head was like pure wool. The throne, his throne, was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fire streamed, issued, and came forth before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Now we have to go back and dissect it. What's he talking about? Well, the very first thing he says, I watched till the thrones were put in place. Right now, Daniel is a spectator in his own dream. Ever happened to you? It's the weirdest thing. If you've ever dreamed, you sometimes see yourself in that dream. You're like, wow, you're not like participating, but you see yourself. This is where Daniel says, and he goes, he says, the scene, the scene changes. Daniel now sees the events taking place in heaven in a heavenly court. Here he sees the ancients of days. God is pictured sitting on the throne. Can I get an amen? amen? Why I say that? Because oftentimes we think in our world that God is up worried, walking back and forth. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen? I created this world, men, and he's not. What is he doing? He's sitting. He's not worried. I would pray that we would have that same Holy Spirit in us, a spirit of peace, even in the midst of chaos in this world. That we would stay seated. We would stay seated. God is sitting on the throne. But he uses a term very interesting. You go, what does it mean? Notice, guys, he says, and the ancient of days. And I, I just, I would, ask, I would ask Daniel, Daniel, why did you say this? Well, the term is only used here in the Bible. It's only used three times in this chapter. Verse 9, you're going to see it in verse 13 and in verse 22. So clearly from the context, what's he doing? He's describing the vision of God. God is pictured human-like form, and he sits on a fiery throne. So let's, 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 um, let's note his description. He says his hair and his garments are white like wool and snow. Okay, if you have a pencil handy, jot this down. White represents purity, and fire always represents judgment. Judgment. His title implies eternal existence. He's the ancient of days. Eternally, eternal existence. So what does he see? Just the main facts. Can you imagine? God is judge sitting on the throne a river of fire is flowing from the throne. And at the same time, what do we see? We see ministers. We see ministers, individuals who serve before the throne, the throne, described as a thousand, thousands, or millions, or you could jot this down. In other ways, in other ways, what Daniel is trying to say is it was innumerable. I saw so many. I saw so many. So many. I want to take a second, and I want you to think about the Ancient of Days sitting on the throne. First and foremost, I hope your heart is comforted knowing that God is on the throne, and he's sitting. He's sitting. He's not worried. This is his show. We serve him. We're his kids. Ephesians says that he's adopted us. Ephesians said that he loved us. Ephesians says that he's, he's got us in the heavenly places. Ephesians says that we're joint heirs with him. All of these things, this is what God has done. But he's on the throne. He's on the throne. 
That's the first thing. I hope you realize that looking at the Ancient of Days, that you realize the second thing should come for your heart is that God is in eternal existence. He always was and always has been. Oftentimes we think, well, if, if, um, if God created everything, who created God? And our, and our brains go, that's when it gets a little hot-wired. Because we don't know. And then we start thinking of eternal God that has been there forever and ever, way before. You see, John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, he says, all the way, all the way, go all, he says, from, from John 1, go all the way back to Genesis 1, 1, and then he says, now take a step beyond Genesis 1, 1. Where was God? He was always there. 3 and 1. What was he doing? Could it be? Could it be that there's, there's other... Uh, I, I better not even go there, but I just think, what was, wow. Wow. And you know that the Bible tells us that God was complete in himself, so he didn't need anything. He didn't sit there and go, I'm so lonely. I'm out here. I'll create Anthony because I need somebody to play. No, he didn't. He he was complete in himself. We need to remember, and that should bring comfort. It should also bring comfort to you guys that that out of the throne, out of judgment, is purity. That's hard to find. Now listen. The ancients of days corresponds to God the Father. Ancient of days, God the Father. We also see in the book of Revelation a similar scene. In Revelation chapter 4 and 5, John is caught up to heaven like Daniel, and he witnesses events that are taking place at the throne of God. John sees a distinction between the father and son. The lamb, grasp this, guys, the lamb who takes the scroll from the seated one on the throne, and the lamb receives glory, power, and honor. So so Daniel's seen it, Daniel's seen it, and now... John sees it, but in Revelation chapter 4, 2 and 3, John is speaking and says this, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one who sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Now, I want you to look at Revelation 4, 2, or just jot this. I want you to see it was like. It doesn't say he was a jasper or he was a sardis. He wasn't these... He says it was like that. He's just... He's trying to, to describe what he's seen. And, and he goes, man, and I saw this rainbow and it was, it was around the throne. And in, in appearance, it looked like an emerald. Now... Jump over to Revelation, or jot this down because you're not even in Revelation. Revelation chapter 5, verse 7, and you can see it on the screen. He says, and he, speaking of Jesus, came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him, God the Father, who sat on the throne. And then in verse 11, he says, Then I looked, and I heard a voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, and the numbers of them were 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands. 
So you see that. You see all of this. He's saying, man, John pictures the same thing. And he sees, he sees the distinction. I quoted John chapter 1, verse 1. Let me quote it to you again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus had always, has always been there. The three and one were distinct there, and they were always one. It's called the triune God. In, in Christian circles, it's called the Trinity. But Trinity is not found in the Bible, the word Trinity. But we see that that's the Trinity. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And speaking of the Holy Spirit, how awesome it is that we would remember that the Holy Spirit is a person. And that, and that when we pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not some force or some, hey, let me get an extra, let me get an extra jetpack in my, in my walk today, the Holy Spirit. But, it's, but he's the third person of the triune God. We must remember that. We must remember that. So what's happening in heaven? Well, the Lord is opening the books. It's, there's a heavenly court going on. And justice is about to take place. The citizens of heaven are about to witness the ancient of days. He's about to pronounce judgment. You guys ready? Okay, so what's happening on earth? You guys see, it's that fourth beast. It's, 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 the, clay in the, it's the clay in the toes. It's, it's that empire. It's the one world government, the new world order. In our, in our um, Are We Living in the Last Day series, we use terms, and people looked at me and, and, and kind of smiled, but we use terms that our government was using. We use terms as new world order, build back better, all of these things that, that would, would correlate with this one world government. And we'll talk about that next week. But, but So what's going on? Well, judgment is about to happen. But remember, remember, Daniel is watching two scenes, one on earth and one in heaven. On earth, what does he see? He sees a dreadful beast, man, terrible, seven remaining horns from the original ten, and a new little horn with the eyes and, and, and a pompous mouth. Daniel also sees the beast having iron teeth, destroying victims and, and crushing them underfoot. But in heaven, he watches God's courtroom about to judge events taking place on earth. In particular, he's going to um, judge the beast and the little horn. Man's attempt to assert his authority always comes in conflict with God Almighty. And think about this for just a second. I, 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 in my mind, I picture, I picture the Antichrist so powerful on this earth. What I say goes, and everybody bowing down to him. And to God, he's just a little squeaky toy saying, me, 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 me. And God's like, no, I don't play that way. I don't play that way. He's about to, to do this. Now, you go, Ben, well, why, why doesn't he just take care of business right away? Because love is free will. And love is a choice. What does that mean? That means when it comes to love, you have to choose to love. It's not something that you just... That's a fe- you know, Hollywood is putting us that we have these feelings, right? You have two people on the walk running at each other at the beat. Dun, 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 you know? And it's feelings, and you're just like, oh, it's fe-. that's not love. 
Love is a choice. What does love look like? Man. Love is a sacrifice. Sacrificing you for somebody else. But this little horn during the time, you and I won't be here. Can I get an amen? amen. We ain't going to be here. We ain't going to be here. We're, we're going, Lord. We're on that first bus out, but the little horn is, is going to try to assert his authority. And God's going to say, I'm not going to have any of that. I'm not going to have any of that. And he's going to put the devil away. And I wish it was once and for all, but you guys know the scripture. Towards the end of Revelation, he lets him out again to tempt the nations. The sovereignty of God confuses me. I don't know why he would do that. I say take him out, squash him once and for all, but I'll be in heaven. So, But we have this throne room, guys. Think of the throne room of God. Spend some time there. The psalmist in Psalm 103, 19 says this, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over who? All. All. Now listen to what Psalm 2 says. Psalm 2 verses 2 and 4 says, The kings of the earth set themselves, the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in what? derision or that's that word is ridicule or contempt so listen the kings of the earth are going to show up and and shake their fist at god we right let's see if we can do this we'll just break them into pieces and god's like "Mm -mm. Mm -mm." are you getting what i'm selling you say what this is your god And, and he's so his throne in his kingdom is so big and so mighty And sometimes, if I'm being honest with you, I allow the things of this world to get me down and to draw my eyes off how big he is. And instead of running to the throne room of God and and, and spending time there, I juggle all the circumstances that I have going on on the world. Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. We've got to all oh, watch out. Oh, I can't believe this happened. Oh, I'm, I'm so stressed. I can't believe this. Ben, 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 stop, stop, stop. Just go to the throne room. Go to the throne room. Strengthen that inner man in the throne room. In the throne room. This judgment now, remember, is going to culminate at the end basically the final judgment on this nation pictured in daniel 2 remember the feet and the toes right right the 10 toes partly of of potter's clay and partly of iron and here we see we see the beast of 10 horns and the feet and the toes and the colossus represent this final world empire that will occur before the return of jesus now when i say the return of jesus here's what you need to know not the rapture but the second coming. Okay, so rapture, we're already gone, but now, here we go. So I'm trying to paint this picture of you've got, you, you've got this one world order that's going to be fighting and trying to, trying to control the earth, and they have no clue that the Lord's about to 
um, pronounce judgment on them. And then when he does, boom, Battle of Armageddon, done. And the Lord's going to set up this fifth kingdom. Daniel chapter 7, 13 and 14. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he came to the ancients of days, and he brought him near before him. And to him was given, notice, dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. He says, I was watching. Daniel's view now shifts back to the scene taking place in heaven. Like the Son of Man, Daniel sees a person of human descent, Son of Man approaching the throne of the Ancient of Days. The term Son of Man, if you're taking note, means exactly that, a descendant of humanity. And Jesus used the term Son of Man more than any other term to describe him. And he said at the very end, Wow, to all the people, the Ancients of Days, and to him was given dominion, glory, and the kingdom. The Son of Man, he says, is going to be coming. Coming, yes, coming in the clouds is a picture of the Messiah who would one come in the clouds of heaven. So not only are we going to be raptured, harpazo, taken up, but when we come back with him, he's going to come in the clouds. Now, again, I want to draw, draw your memory to Acts chapter 1, verse 11. Do you remember Acts chapter 1, verse 11? It says, Galileans, why are you standing here looking at the sky? This Jesus who was taking you into heaven will come back the same way that you saw him go to heaven. So the same way the Lord went up is the same way he's going to come back. Here's the beauty of that. We get to come with him. We get to come with him. We're in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. Verse 14 of Daniel chapter 7. To him was given dominion, glory, and kingdom. What's going to happen? All the peoples on earth, nations, and languages were going to serve him. His, now, now you've got to grasp this, guys. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. See, the reign of Jesus doesn't just last a thousand years. What you need to know is it's permanent. It's permanent. Jesus will rule over this earth before it's remade, but he's going to rule while Satan is bound for a thousand years. Okay? A thousand years. Now, as we close... As we close, think about this. His kingdom is one that's going to be forever. So when, here's the best way to describe it. When we get raptured, when, we're, when, when we go, okay, okay. So, so you go, well, Ben, what if the rapture doesn't happen? What if, what if I, I, I go be with you? What if I die today? Okay, so, so, so you're going to be raptured. <laughs> Your body will stay here and we'll have a funeral for you and we'll sing and, but, but your spirit's going to be with him. The Bible says to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. But let's just say we all go on the same bus. We're going to, when, once we're raptured, we're going to be in heaven. But you need to understand that that's going to be eternal. That's forever. You're safe and secure in the arms of God. You understand the salvation message. When people get saved, whether here or anywhere else, you understand why the, the demons of hell are, are so angry. Because when a person gets saved, for real, they're safe and secure in the arms of God forever. Forever. That's why the enemy fights hard 
against Bible-teaching churches. That's why the enemy fights hard against you as you proclaim the gospel to your loved ones, to your friends, to your family, anybody who will listen. I've got to tell you about Jesus. I've got to tell you about Jesus. i got to tell you about Jesus. That's why. Because once you're secure in the arms of the Father, it's eternal. It's, it's forever. Yeah, we're going to travel, okay? We're going to go to heaven for seven years, and we're going we're gonna to have some great food up there. It's going to be amazing. I don't want to be down here, okay? I don't want to take, mm-mm. I'm going to be in heaven for seven years, and then I'm going to come back with him, and we're going to rule and reign for a thousand years. And I don't know what that looks like, but it's going to be fabulous. Fabulous. It's going to be amazing. Can you imagine a thousand years with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords reigning from Jerusalem, you and I having glorified bodies so that we can travel at the speed of thought? Now, there's still going to be an earth. There's still going to be an earth. There are going to be people that make it through the tribulation. That's where you and I come in. You've got to have your assignments ready. But you're secure forever. I was thinking about this the other day. One of the biggest fears, honestly, for people, Christian or non-Christian, is the fear of death. We just, it, it just it kind of messes with us. Now, if you're really in tight with God, you're like, meh, I'm ready to go anytime. But, but most people fear death. Think about this for a believer. You never have to worry about dying again. You never have to worry. That's not even on the list. You're like, been there, done that, and I'm in heaven. I'm in heaven. I'm in heaven. And then after a thousand years, here's what the Bible says. The Bible tells us in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth was passed away. There is also no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and, he sh- and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away, catch this, every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. So after the thousand years, we get to live with God forever in the new Jerusalem. We have a great future. Can I say that? Here, here, here's what I put on my notes. The, this life here, I don't even know if we're going to remember this, but I did write this down. The best is yet to come. So hang in there, saints. Hang in there. Father, tonight we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love for us. Lord, you win. You're on the throne. You're the ancient of days. Thank you that we have the word of God that just explains all of this. So Lord, we just thank you, we thank you, we thank you. So Lord, tonight we pray that you bless, bless, bless the rest of our evening and our worship and our time with you. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. 
You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.